about Riverdale that's taped after dark in the <laughs> darkest pit of our hearts our broken battered hearts that are crying their eyes out as they break up with you I'm Alex I'm Pete and we are talking about the latest episode of Riverdale Holy chapter 41 the Mad Hunter Pete <sighs> is Pete is jumping out of his skin right now what has happened I, what is going on <laughs> are you going to be okay Pete I don't he is very torn up about this episode, <laughs> so we're gonna. I'm gonna very kindly ask that you just hold it together for a little bit while we get through the recap beforehand. Oh. I know there's some stuff at the end of this episode you really want to talk about, but it's gonna take us a little while to get there. So just keep calm, keep keep Woo-sa. walking down. Woo-sa. You just walk down, listen to that Johnny Western as you walk down those tracks of life, and just oh, chill don't out, man. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Fuck you for what? saying that. What? I don't, know, I don't uh, even know what you're talking about. That's a random you. reference to absolutely nothing. Anyway, uh, Justin is off this week. Uh, he, we did ask him for his opinion, and he did say he'll have double the opinions next week. I'm sure he will. I'm pretty bummed uh, he didn't uh, wasn't here to talk about one scene we'll talk about in a moment. But before we get to that, leading into this episode, Archie has escaped from prison. He got stabbed. He got branded. But he did escape with the help of all the teens in Riverdale. They stuck him in the bunker deep below the Riverdale woods. Uh, and meanwhile, there is a dude named the Gargoyle King who's been terrorizing the town for decades at this point through a role-playing game called Griffins and Gargoyles. There, we found out last episode that Griffins and Gargoyles is much more widespread and goes far deeper than we thought. The warden, uh, who was the head of the juvenile detention facility, was playing Griffins and Gargoyles. Also, Joaquin, formerly of Kevin and Joaquin, also playing Griffin's Gargoyles. He's the dude that stabbed Archie. Uh, so lots of stuff going on there. The warden, when he was found out, uh, drank the blue fresh aid, which we find out is blueberry flavored this uh, episode. I don't know if we knew it was blueberry flavored before this, uh, which is laced with cyanide and killed himself. Meanwhile, all the parents in town uh, were part of something called the Midnight Club back in the day that was the first documented instance of Griffin's gargoyles and specifically the gargoyle king. Alice told Betty the whole story, but as we've suspected on this podcast, some things don't quite add up in her story or at least seem very suspicious as we delve into this episode. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Veronica has been trying to prove Archie's innocence. Meanwhile, Buddy and Betty and Jughead are very much delving into the Griffin's gargoyle side of things. Betty by investigating all of the parents and Jughead by playing Griffin's and gargoyles. Super bad idea, Jughead. Uh, but he ended last episode in front of the Gargoyle King himself, seemingly starting to bow down. Very crazy scene. 
Uh, and that's kind of where we pick up this episode. We'll get to that in a kind second. Of. Kind of. I was very upset at the start of this episode because it didn't pick up right where it left off. You, it, you love that. You, I, well, not you love that. You hate when that doesn't happen. Because if you leave me hanging at the greatest moment, the thing I want to see the most, and then walk away from that, you got to walk back. You can't skip past it. And they kind of just brush over it on purpose. Now, I should mention, this is an audio podcast, of course, so you guys wouldn't necessarily know this, but uh, about five years ago... Pete tried to give somebody a high five and said, don't leave me hanging. And they never <laughs> high five him back. And his hand is still in the air. It's still it drives in him nuts. It's basically atrophied at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of I've the had to have three surgeries. <laughs> um, I got to tell you what, it's worth it. <laughs> so uh, we kick it off with a scene that I am bummed. Justin, our number one Barchi fan is here. Not here to talk about Archie is in the bunker with Betty, with she, Betty. And she's toweling him off. She is toweling off. She lightly brushes his chin. Oh. If you are a Barchi fan, there's a couple of crumbs to tide you over until next year sometime. And I was like, okay, Betty. Okay. Like, okay. A couple touches. Okay. Stop it. Knock it off. <laughs> but I was very happy. She got up and walked over to the map to get back to the big case that she should be working on. Yeah, well, so let's talk about this, because I think people are going to Zapruder tape this particular scene because Barchi fans are so desperate to see something happen potentially with that relationship. Between this and the scene last episode near the pipe, do you think there's anything that we should read into this relationship between Betty and Archie, or is it just them being friends and reconnecting? Yeah, I just, I, I didn't, it didn't, there wasn't any looks, there wasn't any, I felt like it was just, you know, even though he had a shirt off and laying out of bed, and, you know, she was attending to there him. There is never a time that Archie has a shirt on, so that's yeah. not necessarily a deciding factor. Okay, all right. Uh, can I, can I, before we get into stuff, there was one thing that has been bothering me this whole time. Oh, sure. Uh, and because we read a comic, uh, Labyrinth, I was like, why does the Gargoyle King feel like it is already been something and it's the Goblin King from, and I was like, oh. Oh, just the name you mean? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, it was driving me crazy. And then when we talked about that comic, I was like, oh, that's why. And oh, now sure. There, there's a comic that came out uh, this week from Boom Studios, Arkea, uh, called Labyrinth. It's Under the Skin or something like that. It's a one shot with some tales from Labyrinth. Um Anyway, nothing like the Goblin King from Labyrinth no, whatsoever, no. other than they have G's at the beginning of their name. Well, also they're kings. They're both kings. Sure, and goblins, gargoyles. Sure, kind of similar. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Otherwise, not related at all. Okay, so <laughs> how were you with the fact that we just saw Jughead and he was like just brushed over like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was literally like, Betty had a lot of questions and he was like, yeah, Betty, whatever. I've got to go talk to, you know, the serpents. Uh, well, okay, like, so let's talk about this. So uh, Archie, it, Betty's in the bunker with Archie. Right, right, I agree right. that it's a Fred scene, I think. Like, yeah. it's nice to see them reconnect. Could it be teasing something down the road? Sure, particularly with what happens towards the end of the episode. But I think more than likely... They've been best friends for basically their entire lives at yeah. this point. It's nice to see them reconnecting. Yeah. So that's what I'd read into. And it. also, there wasn't that weird moment where, like, just because she was, like, wiping off his brow, that then Jughead walks in and she has to jump and be like, oh, there's nothing going on. That's a very I'm good I'm so point. glad they didn't do that either. So Jughead does come back in. He looks very sweaty, very shaken, very scared. Uh, it 
the, the way that he describes it, and I want to pause on this for a second, but the way that he describes it, he saw the Gargoyle King, he saw this Gargoyle gang uh, with a bunch of men standing around in a circle, all with these weird Gargoyle masks on, who he seems to think worship or work for the Gargoyle King. We find out later that, yeah, that's probably accurate. Uh, and he... Uh, uh, they wake up Archie in the process. Now, here's what I think is interesting about the way that they structure that. Because we didn't actually see what happened with Archie and we uh, with Jughead, and we saw Jughead starting to bow down to the Gargoyle King, there might be something missing there, right? Well, it was hugely missing because it seemed like the Gargoyle King saw Jughead. Right. And they were addressing each other. And then Jughead was like, yeah, I was in the bushes and I saw this whole thing. I was like, uh, hell no, motherfucker. You had an encounter. You weren't spying on them. You weren't, you were like a part of it. It's, I can see this going both ways. He straight up lied to Betty. Well, okay. I'm not totally willing to say that yet. I do think based on the rest of the episode, his behavior doesn't necessarily back that up. But I could certainly see a place where a lot of his reactions and a lot of his actions in the episode can be explained by there are things about Jughead that we don't know yet. Yeah. That he is, in fact... But he's in too deep with this game. So the fact that, like, he's looking for the Gargoyle King, sees the Gargoyle King, and he's trying to, like, oh, I want to ascend above him, you would well, think not he ascend would above get, him, ascend to his level. Whatever. Level. All right. Uh, but, like, you can't get above the Gargoyle King. That's like a super king. I don't know. That's not a thing. Okay, whatever. But my point is, he's been watching Have this. Have you ever ha- heard of a super king of England? That's not a thing that happens, Pete. Great. Can we move past this fucking... Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, it's something that he's wanted. It finally happened. And the fact that he brushed over it so quickly... Uh, especially in front of Betty, that I was just like, oh, man. he is, And it really justified what FB did to him later, I think. Whoa. That oh, jumped uh, ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I... Not physically attacking him so much as no. trying to detox him. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. All right, we'll get to that in a moment. Yep. Uh, so they wake up Archie. Archie reveals that Joaquin was playing the game. They immediately suspect the warden. This is a weird, interesting thing structurally because we as the audience know the warden is already dead, yep. uh, even though Betty and Jughead are super into this theory. So we already know that they're going down the wrong uh, rabbit hole. Yep. But luckily that's resolved pretty quickly as Betty comes Goes home. home, sees her mom, and her mom kind of gives her the 411 on what's going on. You know, the old, hi, mom, hey, did you hear about all the murders and all the crazy stuff going on? The small talk in Riverdale has got to be insane. Well, we've talked about that on the podcast before, (laughs) particularly this episode that everybody's like, hey, I can't talk about your murder thing. i got to talk about my cult thing. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys, stop all this because of this. Yeah, can we stop talking about uh, breaking our friend out of jail? Because (laughs) I have some issues with uh, this guy who's about to murder my dad. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, you know that uh, whole gargoyle thing going on? There's no time for that. Uh, the Warden <laughs> killed himself last night. So yeah. I want somebody to come in and be like, listen, there's no time for your Gargoyle King thing and uh, this murder thing. The prom is happening. I <laughs> would be like, oh, yeah, that does seem more important. Absolutely. Uh, so, so to find out the Warden is dead yeah. uh, and Betty immediately is like, hey, did you know the Warden? Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. We find out a little bit Detective later. Betty is my favorite. When she's going after people and getting questions and getting information. Well, you must have loved this episode, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, 
you loved all every single part of this episode, right? Almost. Almost. Well, I loved a lot of it. <laughs> I loved a lot of it. Yeah. I do. I agree with you. I think Investigator Betty is the best, and she is crazy driven this episode, like yeah. super driven. Well, she makes a choice and goes all in. And right. she says like, I'm squeezing them. And it was great. was uh, Betty and Jughead were working their angles. They're like, okay, I'm going to get the serpents. And we're going to attack from this side. Even though the whole time it was just an excuse for Jar- uh, Jughead to go and like play more. I G&G. think you could call him Jarhead if you want to call him Jarhead. I didn't. I'm not calling you out. I would legitimately love to call him Jarhead. I misspoke. Ooh, Anyways, uh, I just think that like the fact that she was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get information from our parents because these are the people who would know. Well, I think it's a smart plan. Okay, this is very much jumping ahead, but I'll throw it out here now because I think it's appropriate. I think that the major theme of this episode was sacrifice because what almost every character in the episode does at various points is they do whole hog and go down these roads, follow what they think is the right thing to do, and to them... It doesn't matter what they have to give up along the way. Exactly, yeah. And for some of them, in fact, most of them, what they don't realize is giving up those things along the way is what leads them in the wrong direction, what ultimately leads them to what arguably is the wrong choice. For Betty, what happens over the course of the episode is she decides, I don't care what the cost, I'm going to find out the truth from his parents. And she pushes and pushes and pushes until it blows back on her in the absolute worst way possible by the end of the episode. I'm not ready to fucking talk about that yet. We'll get there. Uh, Jughead is very much the same thing, I think. Uh, He takes a weird turn at the end of the episode. I think he makes a choice to sacrifice... Well, he, he he actually has sacrificed. Like, he sacrifices his connection with the serpents to go off and do what he thinks is that, right. That... Okay, all right. So am I jumping around too yes. much? Yes. Okay, we got to okay. go back. Well, because he, after Betty talks with her mom, we go back to the bunker, which is no longer the Jughead Betty sex bunker. It is now the Archie Veronica sex bunker. And, hey, you know what? So what? I got a stab wound. I'm been, still been in prison for a long time, and I'm going to, you know. If you, think, if you think a stab wound is going to stop Archie Andrews from getting his bone on, you're crazy, man. <laughs> It's infected. The wound is infected, but they have crazy <laughs> sex for hours. Uh, well, okay, you don't know that, but I really wish we had seen that sex scene with him constantly like, ow, ow, oh, ow, oh, oh. no, keep going, keep going, keep going, ow, oh god, ow, oh no, ow. Do you think? Do you ah. think it's all right? Because it really hurts. Yeah. Oh, I'm covered in pus. It's great. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, fine. it's, it's fine. totally fine. <laughs> he passes out for like five minutes it's in the middle. To, yeah. Oh, it's good. <laughs> I'm still good. It's fine. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, that's crazy because he can't barely move. But granted, like, you know, I've done stuff like that in the past. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not with a stab wound, but sometimes you're super sick, but. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. If you love somebody enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You uh, have goals and they <laughs> outweigh what's happening. You, so your problem, though, your bigger problem was him having sex with a stab wound versus them having sex in the exact same bed as 
bucket. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Do you think they wash the sheets at any point? No, it's an underground <laughs> it's sex, bucket. Dirty, dirty <laughs> sex bucket. Who no, cares? There's, yeah, it's, it's got to smell weird down there. Ugh. It's got to smell weird. I mean, <laughs> all the G&G stuff that happened, and then like uh, they, all the they, candles. They burned some candles. Yeah, yeah. That probably took away a little of the sex smells. Maybe. Do you think when they all gathered the last episode, they were like, ugh. Guys, we got to stop meeting down here. Jesus. <laughs> it's weird. It smells like bughead sex. Uh, so, yeah, then they have this serious pillow talk conversation afterwards. I, I like that a lot. Me I too. I think in retrospect, it's pretty clear that we're getting our last super sweet Varchi conversation. Don't say last, you motherfucker. Uh, last. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> fucking asshole. But you don't have a crystal ball. Sweet. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, sure, I've watched TV before. So <laughs> the the thing that I think is great about this conversation is it really underlines the Veronica-Archie relationship. And getting back to that sacrifice thing, Veronica gives up whatever else is in her life for Archie over the course of the episode, yeah. right? But that's what she always does. And what this conversation underlines is how focused she is on Archie and that she can take care of Archie and she can do whatever Archie needs it's well, very sweet. It's very sweet. But what we talked about, I believe, the last episode or maybe two episodes back on this podcast uh, with Archie is he is the proverbial dog chasing cars. He can only focus on what's in front of him. So while Veronica is there saying, it's okay, I'm going to take care of this all for you, sweetie. He's like, okay, yes, whatever you say. Yes, we got this, Veronica. Yeah. But the second she leaves, he just can't concentrate on it. It's fucking... It's drives me insane. It is infuriating. The I think, choices that he makes are insane. Okay. Well, I don't think they're insane. I think they make sense to him, but they only make sense to him because he only thinks one step ahead. He's like, this is my goal. He went to jail for no reason. That was insane. And then the choice that he makes it, this is insane. Sure. Well, okay. Let, let's jump back to the plot. So they have their little snuggles. Yeah. Uh, he they wants talk to- it out. And he wants to go down to the mines, uh, which is where there's there's three dudes mm-hmm. who knew something about the murder. They knew that Archie didn't did it, do it. They were each paid off with $10,000. We suspected it was by Hiram Lodge. We find out pretty clearly later on that it was, in fact, him. Uh, of course it was. Yes. Uh, and then, so then we get the school. We cut back to the school, uh, and the cop... The sheriff is just drilling students in the class about where they were. Here's what I'd ask them if I was the sheriff. Why don't you guys ever go to class? <laughs> do you learn anything here at any point? Or do you just have mayors and sheriffs to come in and lecture you about gargoyle Also, I'm games? pretty sure it's illegal for that to happen. You can't just drill students about where they were and stuff like that. You've got you to gotta have a lawyer. There's got, are you... Are you Bringing me in, officer, or are we just having a conversation? Uh, This is a school run by Principal Weatherby, who works generally on the the idea of, I'm going to allow that. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So here's here's how I imagine the conversation went. I imagine Sheriff Minow was like, hey, I want to go into the classroom and drill the fuck out of all these students until they give up the goods. Principal Weatherby's like, I don't think we could do that. And Sheriff Minow was like, I'd like to do that. He's like, all right, all right. I'm going to give you a shot. Are you going to start a weird club? Okay, I'll start a weird <laughs> club. Okay, then you can do it. Yeah, as long as that's what it is. So Rebecca probably started the Drilling the Students Club. Um, and so then I mean, he gets wrong. Yeah, he gets up in Josie's face. Poor Josie. Oh, 
uh, talking about all your dreams are going to go away and... Uh, Poor Josie has a seizure. She does have a seizure. There's a couple of things we should mention that happened before that. Uh, Reggie clearly has been masturbating all day, so that's very nice yeah, for him. Way to announce that. Yeah. Evelyn, meanwhile, is in class with him and announces some stuff about her farm club, uh, which I thought was kind Why of Why isn't Betty investigating the creepy girl in school like that's driving me nuts. Well, there's a very interesting moment that happens while Josie is having the seizure because Evelyn looks directly at Josie and then looks over at Betty and they lock eyes. Yeah. And, and she's like, look what I did. But Betty doesn't read it like that. Like they talk about it. Driving me crazy. They talk about it. Obviously behind a lot of creepy shit. And it's not on Betty's radar at all. Well, I, Okay, I'm going to revise my I don't think she is based on what happens at the end of this episode, which certainly seems to be bringing a lot of the threads together. Um, But at that point, in that moment, that's not how I read it. Uh, I still think there is something. Every time someone has a seizure, creepy girl is there. But I think Betty's got to make that connection. I think Evelyn knows what's going on and why the seizures are happening, but I don't think she's causing them with her mind. Well, she knows shit. She knows shit. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think she knows why the seizures are happening. We've had a little bit of speculation. I think we did this on the last podcast, which you are not on. Uh, but there was a theory on Nerdist, I think, that maybe Pop's milkshakes are carrying some sort of drug, and that's what's causing everybody to have the seizures. What How you dare you? How what? dare you say something bad about Pop's milkshakes? He makes quality fucking milkshakes at a reasonable price. His milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Oh, boy. And he's like, they're laced with drugs. He's like, <laughs> they're laced with drugs. That's what I think is going on. Um, I, I don't necessarily buy that theory because then everybody would be having seizures all the time. All over the place. But I think there's something there. There's clearly, as Betty immediately points out afterwards, some sort of connection between her seizure, Josie's seizure, and Ethel's seizure and why nobody else is having them. I don't. Again, I don't think Evelyn is causing it, but I think she knows what's causing it. Uh, yeah. I think she's aware. Yeah, she's definitely aware. There's one she's other thing I want to talk right about there. with the scene. Uh, Cheryl is there in that scene. She gets one very quick line. Oh, Cheryl. <laughs> I miss right her so there, much. Bud? No, it's just uh, Cheryl's such a great character, and I completely forgot about her this episode because of all the madness. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. we've talked quite a bit about how Shoney has been pushed to the side yeah, this season. They've had some fun stuff to do, but... What I wanted to bring up is that Tony is completely gone and nobody talks about it at any point. Yeah. She's not even in class. Like, she's not even in the background in class. That's weird. Where do you think she was? Uh, they probably didn't want to pay her to just be in the background of a scene. So. But she's a regular, so she's getting paid anyway, right? I don't know how that works. I think I think she's getting paid regardless for the episode. It would have been nice if she was there, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Even if, you know, uh, Cheryl had a line like, we were just fucking in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when, when would that line have come exactly? Uh, just before she said what she said. It would have been fine. Oh, like in the middle of Jesse's... <laughs> Yeah, you know, this uh, me. starts having that horrifying seizure, and we're just like, "Oh God, we were just fucking around the room. Are you okay, 
Jesse? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I wish they'd explain where Tony is. But my suspicion is she was uh, down at Cape Canaveral helping NASA land that Mars probe. Probably. Probably doing that. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, that happened. Uh, but more of them. We need to see more of them. I don't think we're going to see any of them next episode, oh. which is a bummer. Maybe, but we got to see more. You have no idea what's going to happen on this show. You have no fucking clue. Yeah, it could be like three seconds of farm and then 50 minutes of them saying we were fucking in the other room. Yeah. Man, that other room (laughs) sees a lot of action. That's all I'm going to say. I just, I I love this show, but it's so insane. I, it's like, I've never done crack, but it's kind of like <laughs> TV on crack where you're just, you can't believe what's happening all the time. Yeah. I, we're six episodes into the season. So <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. That's it insane. <laughs> like, uh, how, how can there be this much stuff crammed in and how can it keep going? I, I don't know. I don't I know. I can't I, take it. My heart can't take it. <laughs> I was... I, I want to go back at some point and watch the first two seasons because I know they were crazy too, and I know they were breakdown. They weren't too. this crazy though. No, they really weren't because we're like I was saying, we're six episodes in, and we're just maybe getting to the farm next episode. <laughs> but also somehow they're going to maintain there have been this. No normal scenes where people are just in class or just you know like enjoying a nice there, day. There's not even down scenes. <laughs> like there's not wasted no. scenes where no. it's like oh some fun stuff is happening or one off or a B yeah. plot that doesn't really matter or if there is if there's something like the Kevin and Moose stuff that on the surface with the RROTC seems like it's just filler or to give Kevin something to do clearly by the end of this episode that's going to come back in a big way coming yeah. up so it is this insanely intricately structured season we don't know exactly how many episodes the season is going to have. I know I read somewhere that they believe it's going to be 23, but I don't think an official number has been said. I have no idea how they're going to go that long. Uh, how? How? I don't know. I don't know. They just announced that there's going to be a Riverdale season three comic book that is going to run concurrently with the show starting in March. And it's going to be dealing with the farm and the Griffins and Gargoyle storyline, which means that both of those storylines are still going to be happening in March. <laughs> They're still going until that I point. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know. I can't take it. It's mind-blowing. Other shows take note of what's going on there. Anyway, uh, then we get a little bit of a bughead scene as they bond in the library. Uh, looking f- through old pics. Looking through old pics. Uh, they figure out that the warden was the head of the RROTC back in the Midlight Club mm-hmm. times, and they decide to head off in two different directions. Betty is going to push the parents, and Jughead is going to head off to try to find Joaquin, yeah. specifically because now that they know the warden is dead, he's their one connection to the Gargoyle King because they expect, uh, they suspect that he is part of the Gargoyle Gang, as we are now calling it, because there is a real thing called the Gargoyle Gang in the town of Riverdale. Uh, <laughs> Also, it, it. I don't trust anything Jughead's saying anymore. Like he's saying he's going to talk to the serpents. And until I saw it, I didn't believe it. I thought he was going to run and start really? playing more G G. All anti Jughead at this point. No, I just don't believe he's so hooked on G and G, and he's so into the game that I feel like he would lie to just give himself some time to be able. To- well, or okay, I'm going to very much jump ahead for a second. If I don't think I necessarily believe it, but. If we take the idea that Jughead got so far into the game 
and between last episode and this episode, in fact, confronted the Gargoyle King and was given some sort of instructions by the Gargoyle King, that would make a lot of sense in terms of him trying to ascend further in the game, right? Yeah. So him doing everything that he does with Joaquin, potentially even what happens with Joaquin later in the episode, and also going after Archie, his sudden realization with that, and leading him to another place outside of town, all of that certainly seems like playing the game in a certain way. Yeah, because it goes against what we know about Jughead thus far. Potentially. But I think you could also read it another way, and it could just be Jughead saying and doing what he is actually doing. You Potentially. You can't leave everyone you've ever loved with a missed phone call and think that it's okay. That What the fuck was that? I don't know. Have you ever met Justin? He's constantly ditching us. He's not even here this week. Oh, my God. Uh, Anyway, back to the bunker. Archie's wound is infected. He won't even eat his burger, the worst thing I could possibly think of. Uh, So Kevin takes him to Dr. Curdle Jr. to get him fixed. Creepy Maury doctor. I love their side dealings. This guy's making so much loot off their shadiness. Yeah. Dr. Curdle Jr. is doing great. Yeah. He has got to have a brand new Cadillac. He has got to be rolling deep at this point with all his side money he's making. Absolutely. Uh, now, a lot of people have been throwing off that Dr. Curl Jr. might be the Gargoyle King. I don't think so. I think he's just a creepy dude who likes money. That's, yeah, that's I don't what I'd think, say. I would be hugely disappointed if that was who the Gargoyle King is. Right. I, also, I think Jughead was on point with who he thought the Gargoyle King was. Oh, we'll get there in a moment. I think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Betty brings all the parents to Le Bon Oh, my God. To confront what a bold them. move on Betty's part. That is a Hercule Poirot type move. That is an Agatha Christie move right there. Getting all the suspects in one room to get them to break and admit what Shit happens. Shit was like Clue. And there's a murderer among us. We got to figure it I out. I love that. I love that scene. I love that it happened in Le Bon Nuit. I love the whole setup of the scene. To take a little bit of a side trip, this episode was directed by Rachel Talele, who previously directed Wicked and Divine last season and also directed the Exorcism episode of Sabrina, which was so good and so creepy and weird. Um, she's also directed a ton of Doctor Who. She directed Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. She's one of my favorite directors. And... The majority of the episode was pretty straightforward in terms of Riverdale direction, but everyone... You can't say this show and straightforward. (laughs) You can't do that. No, that's totally fair. Um, It's always very well produced. It's always very well shot, but there Mm -hmm. were certain shots, certain setups that were so good that I think she just really elevated here, and that's one of them where everybody was placed at these different levels and different places around Le Bon Nui. It was perfect. Uh, The whole thing, the whole setup was great. Betty pushes everybody they push back on her um I, she was i love that line where she was like S- there was a murder somebody murdered somebody and i was kind of looking around the room i'm like i think they're all murderers i think almost including you betty are pretty much helped to kill somebody at this point i mean that's fair but do you do you actually think it's a murder on the orient express type thing where everybody caused these murders maybe all of them are the gargoyle king yeah great uh, we'll see if that turns out to be true. Anyway, the parents are pissed off. Uh, Fred, of course, steps up. He steps up in a big way this episode, which you yeah. must have been happy about, Pete. Oh, yeah. 
he uh, he gets a little flannelly there in the middle, but he is the one who's like, guys, come on, let's just figure out what the truth is for our kids. When everybody else is like, I got to go back to work. Yeah, yeah. I, don't like, have time I got for called this. for this bullshit, and it was good that they actually kind of took her seriously for a little while. Yeah. Now, there's an interesting detail that Tom Keller throws out in the middle of this that I wanted to point out. Uh, he... Uh, when asked about where the Griffiths and Gargoyles game came from, says that Major Norton confiscated a stray manual, which doesn't, it seems like there's a detail missing there. Like Griffiths and Gargoyles clearly existed before. It has the whole Riverdale anagram. I'm forgetting what, uh, it's not Arendelle, but whatever they actually called it in the game, uh, where the letters are mixed around. Um, so it only exists in Riverdale. So somebody had to create it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, they may have taken it to the next level with the gargoyle King, but there's some sort of a missing origin there that we're not getting necessarily. So I think that's a detail to hold on to. Uh, FP casually mentions he saw the gargoyle King as well, which is something we didn't know. But his mom was like, what you saw the gargoyle? King and too. then they move on. There's a lot of moving Dude, on in this episode. Me nuts where I was like, stop. No, we need to talk about yeah, this. Everybody just chill out. I know yeah. the show is fast paced. Just calm down for a second. <laughs> I just, just can we please down, talk right? about the fact that you saw it and then what? We'll, we'll you can talk about both things. We can piece this together if we all. Uh, yes, just calm. Calm oh. yourselves. It's the scene with Betty and Jughead that precedes that where Betty is like, if only we could figure out some sort of connection between my seizure, Ethel's seizure, and Josie's seizure. And Jughead's like, fuck you and forget about that. Let's talk about my thing. I got a thing over here. He doesn't say fuck you. It's too much. There is a lot of this episode where everybody's like, stop talking about that. Also, like in that room where everybody's talking, like everybody's dropping these little things where I'm like, if we could just explore that a little (laughs) bit, I think we could get some answers. You know, there's this talk about how everybody knows about this one plant, the oleander or whatever that like can kill people. Everybody knows about it. And Oh, guess who grows it in their yard? It's like, wait, of course, uh, blossoms know about poison. Oh my God. And the way she was like, you don't grow cyanide. I was like, Oh, I love how evil and awesome you are. It's really, so well yeah. done. She killed it this episode. Like her, her as a actor or as a person. Yeah. I just well, love let's it. talk about the Penelope thing in a second. But I did want to pause on one thing that I thought was kind of neat. Uh, again, getting back to Rachel Talele's direction. So Hermione and Hiram have this confrontation. Hiram wants to leave, and Hermione oh, grabs yeah. his hand, and between them is the painting of Veronica. And you can see Hiram is completely focused on Hermione, but Marisol Nichols, who plays Hermione, does this nice little acting thing where she just kind of flicks her eyes over to Veronica when she says, we have to figure this out. And it is this thing that is between them. So it's just nice staging of a scene. That's all. I thought it was... This show takes flack sometimes, right, for being so crazy. People talk about the breakneck speed, but there are really nice details like that that are put in sometimes that I do think elevate it over a lot of other programs, which I think is great. I agree. I agree. That said, Hermione accuses Penelope, and then Penelope uh, tells a ridiculous story about Daryl Doily, Dilton's father, uh, who says he wanted to ascend with her. He's the one that put up the chalices, uh, which led to Principal Featherhead dying. Years later, she came to him, said she wanted to be with her, and she rejected him because they were both married. So he killed himself in his car in the garage. And Betty, I mean, is like, really? No. Are you? Sh- yeah, come on. That's a little bad. Also, she reveals that she was one of the game masters. We knew that. Oh. 
Yeah, from the Midnight Club episode. Penelope and Daryl were the oh, two game yeah. masters. Yeah. She, she reveals it again. Yeah. For those of us who have forgotten. Yeah. I, was just, I don't want to point to any figures. I was, I was just like, of course she was a game master. I mean, she's. Yes. So uh, everybody else like is a, like, well, great. Problem solved. And yep. proceeds to lead, except for Betty, who's very annoyed. Meanwhile. Also, well, there was an amazing look that FP gave her when she was doing her. Uh, villainous monologue. There is across the board in this episode. There's so many little looks oh, yeah. and things that you can read into. I was yelling at, well, like, stop. What is that? Barry, say something. Did you see that look? There's also a point which I thought was interesting, and I don't know how much we're supposed to read into this, but particularly towards the end when Betty is starting to get frazzled and angry at everybody, that the shots are from over her head which are very similar to the seizure shots that we've yeah. seen before. And I was almost thought that she was going to have a seizure again. Oh, man. I don't know. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that in terms of her mental state. Uh, uh, also, FB had an amazing line where he was like, that boy is going to be the death of me. That was an amazing line and an amazing moment. I loved it. Yeah. So uh, let's see. So FP goes and chains Jughead to the fridge. <laughs> yes. Which I love that. I Just thought that was great. Up. What? Just yeah, sober, sober him up. Yeah, sober him up. Yeah. Uh, I, I've i read some people say that FP is abusive towards Jughead. What do you think? I mean, he's doing Te- things. Technically, yes, but also they live in a murder town. Yes. And also the fact that, like, Jughead's insane and you need to do a little tough love with somebody sometimes. Uh, he's doing it for his own good. And sometimes when you have somebody who's in a murder town, doing all these things as a head serpent and in a gang that you got to chain him to a fridge. I didn't think it was, <laughs> I mean, any, hey, you know, sometimes you got to change your problems to a fridge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, yeah, I didn't think it was abusive. I thought it was what was needed. I will say if I'm going to be chained somewhere, I'd love it to be somewhere to with a snacks. Fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Change to a fridge. You That's can, great. You yeah. got drinks, you got snacks. Yeah. You're good. Uh, you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Archie gets fixed up by Dr. Colonel Jr. and decides to go to Shadow Lake Mines. Now, we get to this a little later. I have no knowledge of this whatsoever, but I can almost guarantee you those are the mindsets from Sabrina that they probably reused for Riverdale and just lit them a little bit differently. Yeah. That's certainly what it seemed like to me. Maybe. I mean, but mines look alike. I mean, how different can mines look? Uh, <laughs> I would like to say wow. that. You want to talk? That about- was insulting to the mine industry. Oh, stop you, it! You should go to Carlsbad Cavern sometime. That place is unique. I'm sure. I'm sure. But I, for a TV show, I don't need to see that. You know what I mean? It's not about the. Well, all I'm saying is it wasn't the mines in Greendale. It's different mines. But they use the same set. I think that's important to make that clever. Okay, great. Whatever. Anyways, uh, you talked about little moments. The moment where Kevin's phone rang. And it was Veronica, and she he couldn't not. She was like, put Archie on the phone. Oh, well, that, yeah, that's a little later on, but uh, they, yeah, that's great. All the stuff, Kevin is, Kevin and Archie are great in this episode. I love seeing them together, um, but Kevin oh, is yeah, I'm clearly, sorry. that's all right, we could talk about it. Uh, Kevin is clearly Veronica's eyes on the ground. Yeah. And he is ultimately there for her. Like, as much as we talked about Archie, as soon as Veronica is out of vision, focuses on the next thing, Kevin is the one who is keeping Veronica's eyes on him the entire time. Even if ultimately he just lets people do what they need to do, he's not going to be the one 
who is going to try to talk Archie out of anything. And he certainly doesn't. Uh, But jumping back to Veronica at the same time, she discovers there's missing footage in Minetta's interrogation of one of the Shadow Lake boys. Hiram finds her, immediately calls to have the Shadow Lake boys taken care of, which, yikes. Yeah. Uh, And meanwhile, Betty finds Jughead, and we get this great scene. Wonderful Bughead scene. Don't uncuff him. I would not have uncuffed him. Really? Yeah. Oh, I I loved how that happened. That he was like, hey, you don't have one of those bobby pins, do you? And she's, she's like, like uh, of course uh, I do. Of course I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah takes out a bobby pin, immediately uncuffs him, and then they have to share a sweet little bughead kiss, and that, then they move on with the Which agenda. I didn't trust, because I was like, he's Man, got you a, are, a, another agenda. Interesting. Uh, so they decide to head off on their separate missions. I would have kept him chained to the fridge, because FP was right. I know you are anti-Jughead this episode, but one of the things that I really like about how they're treating the Bughead relationship so far this season is that they trust each other. Yep. Whether you think... Even though Jughead's abusing <laughs> that trust. <laughs> but they do trust each other and they respect each other. She yep. knows, like, all right, you're going a little off the deep end. Yeah. But... They need to be fighting crime together. They probably would be better together. Yes. But... Betty knows Jughead is going to take care of stuff. She can take care of stuff. And that way they can be in two places at once. Yeah. Cover more ground. Even yeah, but if when you... your boyfriend's addicted to G&G and you can't trust him, can't trust him. You're just having secret meetings with the goddamn cargo, okay? When you say G&G, you're referring to gin and juice, but spelled incorrectly? No, I'm talking about gargoyles and... No, I know. I'm kidding. It was it was a bad joke. Yeah. Uh, great. So... so then we get the phone phone moment. Right. Where, yeah. And uh, that's when Veronica realizes she needs to go to Hermione's office to track down the missing footage. Which I thought was great. Way, smart thinking like her father. What would I do? I wouldn't keep it in my, you know, where we think it is, you know, yep. his secret den. Now, there's a lot to unpack for this next scene with yeah, Veronica. Because he's framing his wife. If anything bad, like she would take the fall because all the stuff is on her computer in her office. Hmm. That's not how I read that. Now, okay. in the same way that you are suspecting Jughead a lot this episode, mm-hmm. I am more and more suspecting Hermione of being the puppet master behind this whole thing. What? Yeah. Yeah, Pete. And I'll tell you why, okay? Because I think by the end of the episode, it's pretty clear based on everything that's going on that Hiram is too easy of an answer, particularly because jumping ahead, Jughead confronts him and lays everything out. Even if Hiram is lying, and he probably is lying about several things, I think you could safely rule him out after this episode. What? The I'm not a nerd defense? You completely bought that? I bought it. <laughs> As somebody who's also pretty cool, you, I bought it. I know how us non-nerds act. You know, we'd never oh, be into that Don't nerd you shit. turn your back on us, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but forgetting about the nerd defense entirely, I want to talk about Hermione and what was going on with Hermione. That was on her computer. Veronica goes in very easily hacks it with her birthday, which is super silly. Yeah, but that makes it that that's Hiram doing that, not Hermione. They're the computer that is on there. And we've discussed this. Actually, I think we were discussing this in our uh, Patreon Slack, which you can check out. Patreon.com slash comic book club. But if you look at that, that very clearly is Hermione's computer. There's folders that are labeled mayor and whatever else on there. But right in the middle, there's that folder with the sacrifice icon on it that immediately has the clues. Now, granted, that seems super easy to find. So you could say that they were trying to trap Veronica in some way. I don't think that's exactly what was going on. But that was on Hermione's computer, right? Which like it wasn't on. She her. said her dad put there and I believe her. But 
did Hermione never use her computer? Like, did she never see that evidence on there? Did she never see that sacrifice folder on there? She had to at some point. If she ever used her computer, it's right there in the middle. She would have known that all of that was on there. So certainly she's complicit with whatever Hiram is doing, but more so she is aware of this Gargoyle King sacrifice icon that is on a folder on her computer and knows a lot more than she's telling. Maybe. I just think uh, Hiram is the, he's the real bad guy. Here's the other thing. The name Hermione translates from the Greek as stick and bone monster, which Shut seems up. like a pretty clear That indicator. is not true. You just made Look that. Look it up. Look you it up. made that up. Look it up. Nobody look it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, All right. So uh, she gets arrested. Uh, meanwhile, Joaquin is found with the gargoyle mask. He did it to survive. And he re- there was a moment where I thought maybe Jughead was going to have to stab somebody. I, uh, Jughead is definitely stepping up. He's using Sweet Pea and Fangs as his enforcers. They're holding to uh, Joaquin down. Uh, and Jughead goes up to him and is like, we're going to get this information out of her. And Joaquin is straight up like, no, I won't tell you. All right, I'll tell you. Yeah. No, 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 I won't tell you. Okay, 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 all right. Uh, and he gives up that he was a pawn, the warden was a pawn, these game cards were telling him what to do, and he also reveals that he only saw, the. I think the, war, I think the way that he explains it is the warden meeting with who he thought was the Gargoyle King yeah. once, and he tells him it's Hiram. Right. Now, that's a little suspect, I think, for a couple of reasons. Well, One... He could be sending Jughead off the wrong direction. If we want to go with your theory that Jughead is playing the game, then certainly he is manipulating Joaquin to tell him that in some way. Well, you don't, because it seems like you don't know everybody who's playing. You're just getting information and doing what you're told. Right. So Jughead probably thinks he's chasing something down, but is probably being manipulated by the Gargoyle King. Mm, that's and an interesting think, way of looking at and it. And I think the easiest defense for when somebody that is evil. Uh, I thought the nerd defense was just such a cop out that he clearly like, oh, I'll just say I'm not a nerd. Well, so he goes out and he confronts. But we know he's played. Right. He does. So it doesn't make sense to say that. You're right. He is lying. He is definitely lying. There's an interesting thing that he says beyond the I'm not a 16 year old nerd, which is a sick burn. Sick burn. burn. It was a sick burn. Yes. We can all agree it was a sick burn. Uh, He does mention. He says, look at some other suspects. Look at Cliff Blossom. Makes sense. Uh, Hal Cooper. Tom Keller is interesting to put on that list. And then he pauses and he says, even your own father, they all make solid suspects. It's weird to throw Tom Keller on that list though, right? Like I think just in terms of Cliff Blossom murdered Jason Blotham, Hal Cooper was the Black Hood. Tom Keller, as far as we know, didn't do anything other than was a bad sheriff. Well, yeah, but that's his whole thing is he's being, uh, he's a pawn as well, being pushed around. Sure, that's true. All right, uh, not to spend too much time on that, but uh, Hiram goes to the jail to confront Also, Frog. I'm glad that they mentioned Clifford Blossom a couple times in this episode, which reinforces my thing that he is still a part of what's happening. Uh, even though he's dead. You think he's still alive? Yes. I... This is very much jumping ahead, uh, but Penelope has that scene later with Betty where they talk about oleander uh, and they talk about herbs that are growing in the Blossom yeah. house. It seems pretty clear to me that Penelope is not the person behind this, but it would make a lot of sense that if it was either Clifford or Claudius at this point, those are the other people who are blossoms that we know. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Hiram goes to the jail to confront Veronica. Demands uh, She demands to see Minetta. Uh, Veronica calls Fred 
tells him to go to the mines. Fred is like, oh, okay, I'll do this. She gives him oh. a list of things to do. Luke Perry's reactions to the scene were great because she's like, okay, I'll do that. Oh, oh. wait, oh, I'll do that. Oh, okay. I don't oh, know. I what do I do, do that? For? Oh, okay. All you right. can see it arranging him in his, in his head. He's yeah. like, okay, I got to drive here. And then I, I got to get her a lawyer. I got to do this. I got to make sure. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right yeah. I'll take care of whatever you want. That's cool. Meanwhile, Betty finds out from Curdle that Daryl Doily ate Oleander. She ends up meeting with Tom Keller. Also, he has a weird line where the Moore guy, the creepy Moore guy, was like, this is from his personal files. I think that was just being creepy. I think... But that also, like... We need to see what else is in those personal files. Oh, absolutely. Files. I think that's there's got to be a lot of answers in there <laughs> that we need to know. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's something that necessarily ties into the overall mystery, but I think we will see more of that. Uh, Tom Keller was sheriff at the time. They meet in Pops. Oh, then yeah. he demands to know who Tom was protecting. He says all of us, but specifically implicates Penelope and the Blossom House. Meanwhile, Arch and Kevin go into the mines. They see Gargoyle King is drawn everywhere, and all of the boys are dead except for one dude who they insist to bring to the hospital. As usual, Archie doing the right thing that is also the riskiest thing. The dumbest thing. Yeah, it really is the dumbest thing. And then also the way he's hiding in the hospital is kind of hilarious. Well, he does have a hat. Yeah, I got a hat on. It's the old Superman defense. I have glasses. I'm not who you think I am. To be fair... With his red hair covered, he just looks like a dude. <laughs> so so maybe it is a good defense after Yeah, all. a super jack dude who looks exactly like Archie. Meanwhile, but with a hat on. Jughead makes Great a disguise. terrible discovery back in the servant's cab, which is that Joaquin is dead with the sacrifice. Glyph oh. carved into his head, blue lips. Uh, he's very upset and realizes he has to go get Archie. Yeah. Tom and Fred arrive at the mine. They call it in and head to the hospital. I think there's a pretty clear indication, given what happens at the end of the episode, that Tom is going to be sheriff again starting next episode. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think he's starting to act like that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, as we mentioned, Kevin and Arch are there at the hospital. The boy dies. Archie decides he needs to leave. He can't go back to Riverdale because Hiram will kill him. Now you, he's scared? Well, what now you, he's yeah. scared? What do you think about this? It's a punk move. It's a goddamn punk move. Whoa. You're leaving everybody you love to just fend for themselves. Yeah, there's a bad guy, but you're supposed to be there to help make this better, you fucking quitter, you bitch, you fucking Jesus. nobody. You're oh going to just God. run away? You're going to put your tail between your legs and run away like a coward? Who are you, you shirtless nobody? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Shit. Wow. So mad that he did that. Uh, just in case you Veronica think... Veronica deserves better. Just in case you think Pete is joking, he, I can tell on his face he is not joking right now. So uh, mad. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's the best decision that he makes necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily go that far. Like, he's scared for his life, but he's not doing it to save other people, which is weird. Like, he is making, I think, of another very selfish decision. He thinks he's doing the right thing, but is sold the wrong thing. Yeah. In any case, uh, Sierra frees Veronica and then finds out about the evidence. They're very excited because they're able to exonerate Archie at that point. Doesn't really matter. Uh, Betty confronts Penelope, which we touched on before. She says, call me auntie, which Ooh, is yeah. a nice, creepy little blossom moment. Uh, but she tells her she wanted to uh, use Oleander, as we mentioned, because it would leave traces. Uh, and then we get the best scene in the episode, hands down, as Betty goes to confront Alice no, no. in no. the Cooper household. No. no. 
They go to confront uh, Betty. They're confronting them. Jiffy Pop is being made. That's our first indication of what exactly we're getting an Easter egg for. Uh, this, by the way, if you don't know what's going on on the scene. They kept showing the popcorn. Go back and watch a little movie called Scream, is all I'm saying. Because not just the Jiffy Pop, which is a clear Easter egg there, but the lights start going out, the way that they run through, they hear knocking at the doorway, they run up to the doorway. Why are people so dumb in those moments? If there's not crazy banging at your door, you don't open your door. You don't say, who's there? But that's an Alice movie. Like, that's a typical Alice movie. Oh, my God. And then they see the fucking gargoyle king in their living room. Yeah. And they scream and run upstairs, go into Betty's room. In Betty's room, they find a tombstone that says Daryl Doily on it. Uh, and it's crossed out. It has Alice and Betty written in red paint. And somebody starts coming in through the window. Turns out it's Billy Loomis coming in through the window, hot, ready to grab his best girl. Uh, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, Skeet Aldrich played Billy in Scream. There's a big thing about him coming in through the window. It's played out a couple of times in the movie. This is a clear Easter egg for that. I thought it was delightful. I don't know if you... Also, FP gives... Uh, Betty, a weird look when he's hugging Betty's mom. There's a lot of weird stuff in the scene. Like, the Easter egg is fantastic, but if jumping back to Riverdale for a second, uh, like you said, that FP is there when the Gargoyle gang is there and when the Gargoyle king is downstairs. It's very strange. It's very Very suspect. Very strange. Yeah, and the fact that the Gargoyle king and everybody is gone after that. Immediately just gone. Also pretty strange. Yeah. Uh, If somebody runs upstairs... And you don't follow, and then you go, uh, and then you go, oh, I'm just going to leave the house. And as you're walking out of the house, you see a giant ladder, and you don't do anything. Like, what are you, what are you there to do? Then? I don't know. Everybody is a suspect after this episode. I feel like you really can't trust anybody whatsoever. Uh, so Fred and Tom go to the hospital. Archie wrote a goodbye note. Very sad scene there. Uh, Veronica comes home to talk to Hermione and Hiram. She reveals Archie is being exonerated. Nice scene. Again, just her taking down her parents, even though, again, they're super suspect in the scene. Uh, And then Alice says she's not feeling safe anymore. So she's going to the farm with Polly and the twins for safety. Oh, my God. This is the part that... Betty's like, yeah, I'm not going there. She's like, no, you're you're not. not. Edgar told me to send you to the Sisters of the Quiet Mercy. Oh, my God. And they drag her away. I was so mad. I was screaming no at the television. First off, the fact that this place still exists and they should have taken it down. It's bananas. Yeah. So now I'm glad that we're finally going to take this creepy place down. And you think it's horrible, but then you the reveal of yeah. what they're all drawing. Well, hold on. We'll get there. We'll Why? get there. We'll get there. Uh, so Veronica has a homecoming party for Archie. She's there with Kevin. She's very excited. Uh, Archie calls. She gets on the phone. And then it happens. She is there. Veronica is hanging out with Kevin. Archie calls, and he never says the words breaking up, but they are broken up. I am sorry. He says a lot of beautiful things to her. He does. But then he punks. He, he, I can't believe he's just running away. Can I talk about He's just running away, and Jughead's going with him like there's not... 80 million things happening in the town that they're just walking away from. It is it is just two dudes walking down decision. the railroad tracks. And uh, Where I know the F he are you guys thinks going? he's doing it for Veronica's sake. The way Camilla Mendes plays that scene is heartbreaking. The way he play KJ Appa plays that scene is heartbreaking. 
I really like the way they structured the conversation with beautiful. her being like, don't you say goodbye, don't you say goodbye yeah. to me, Archie oh, Edges. The I phone so falls emotional. out of her head. Oh. She hangs up. He says, goodbye, Veronica. You know it's final from there. And they never have to say, we're breaking up. I hope Archie dies. <laughs> I hope he just dies. I hope he gets run over by a train and we never have to see him again because fuck that. Oh, my God. And the fact that Jughead doesn't even do that with Betty, the fact that he gets missed call like Betty can't pick it up because she's being dragged away and maybe he leaves her a voicemail but that's how he's gonna fucking end it you're just gonna walk away like that can I talk about a slightly weird thing that happens uh, and this is just an editing thing. Uh, the slightly weird thing that happens is she says, but we're endgame. That's a reference. I love that line. That is great, but it's a reference to the first episode. She says, we, me and Archie are endgame. But that was a line that was in the promo, and it was cut out of the episode. So for, at least for the DVD release, they got to put that back or something. Uh, but anyway, they walk away. It's super sad. Johnny Western, Ballad of the Paladin plays. Um he puts on the hat. They're walking down the tracks. And then at the sisters, we get there. Betty is there. She's like, don't worry. You're going to like it here. It's very nice here. And they see everybody is drawing gargoyles. Most fucked up thing ever. gargoyle king. Do you think that's real? Yeah. Why, how could it not be real? She could be having another seizure. She could be imagining it. Oh Anything could be happening. But I don't think so. I think things are about to get real fucked up. <laughs> I can't believe that they're just leaving. Oh, it's all crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Absolutely nuts. I can't Before believe that's go, how the episode ended. We are going to have to wrap up because uh, we're running out of time here a little bit. Um, but real quick, Gargoyle King, what's your theory after this episode? It's still, I feel like it's Blossom, but it's also, there's a lot of people who wear the mask of Gargoyle King. I actually am going to agree with that theory. I still think Hermione is in on it somehow, um, but I am much more sold on it being Clifford or Claudius I think it's after since this it's episode. a role-playing game that, like, if you Role at certain you Ooh. like people get turns. They get oh, their that's turns. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, this episode only Betty or Veronica. Which one? Betty or Veronica? Betty all day or day. What? Even this episode? Yes. Pete? Even this episode. Jesus. Betty Christ. is being a detective. She's trying to get things done. She's trying to do the right things. She even though she shouldn't have uncuffed her boyfriend. It's maybe the last time she's ever going to see him because he's fucking quitting. Him and our bunch of fucking quitters. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Veronica because she needs it right now. You know, I'm going to give it up to her. If you'd like to give it up to us. What's going to happen in the next episode? I don't know. (laughs) What's going to happen in the next episode is Archie's going to fuck another woman. I'm sorry. It's just going to happen (laughs) because that's all he does. He's a dog. He's just looking at one in front of him. Veronica deserves better. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it right now. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll hang out. We'll uh, play out some Shoney scenes or something like that because clearly they're not appearing on screen. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Run us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Riverdale Dark or at Comic Book Live and check out comicbookclublive.com for our podcast and many, many more podcasts. And we'll see you after dark.